Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. Do I have everything recording? Yes, there is stuff recording. This is episode 206. Bruce Perky, thank you for the reminder to throw the throw the end of this episode to my seven-year-old niece, Claire. There will be a new outro for the Cinematics episode where I think she's going to say goodbye, everybody. I actually had her over to the house a couple of days ago where she has all these goodbye, everybody drops. So I have just in, what is it? Uh, in perpetuity, I have a whole bunch of Claire drops with not droppings, drops. Okay, yeah, don't drop bad. Claire. No, no, drive, and I and I won't drop Claire. She's seven. She's getting bigger. I can't I can't hold her in my arms anymore. But she will have some really cool drops at the end, audio drops at the end of every Cinematics episode. Moving forward, I am joined by my betters, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes for the video feed of our Cinematics episode you have a wonderful shirt can you tell our listeners what the shirt is all about it's uh suspiria um it was uh don't know if you, it, it was when uh i went to see goblin uh mm. see goblin uh up at uh oh, my brain sucks call it, uh, call San, stanley hotel okay uh, they played at stanley hotel and i went with uh went with andrew martin and dude if you get a chance to see Goblin, and Goblin, I guess is touring now with not for Suspiria but for uh, Demons. Oh, cool! So that that'll be it, dude. If you get a chance to see Goblin live, do it. If you get a chance to see any composer doing like a tour where they play the play the score along with the the movie in the background, so they saw one for Fabio Fritzi, and that was really good for uh, the Beyond. Yeah, do it. They're great shows. Okay, and th- that Suspiria show did not disappoint. Then that's what you're no. saying, did not? Okay, not, no, not at all. I, I, that was the second time I got to see Goblin, and both times they were fantastic. Bruce Perky, would you, if you were actually within the vicinity, would you have joined Eric Holmes and Andrew Martin for that really special event? Definitely, I love Goblin score for a lot of stuff. I would definitely go see that, and I would probably okay. go see the one for Demons too. That would be pretty cool too. Okay, very cool. Well, well, you know, unfortunately, we're not doing Suspiria. We did that, I think, a couple of years ago, back in the day, a Dario Argento special from our former podcast, Find Your Film. And then I think, I've never even heard of Demon. Bruce, Eric, you said Fritzy. Is that a Fritzy? I don't know. I'm, uh, Fabio, uh, Fabio Fritzy, he, he works a lot with, uh, or worked a lot with. Oh, God. Baba. No, no, no. Well, oh, I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking um, of um, Lens, Lenzi, maybe? or um, No. Yeah. See, you got Fulci, see, Fulci, Lucio Fulci, old man brains don't help. I <laughs> start okay. going through all of the uh, the horror. Uh, did he work guys. for Spielberg? No, did he work for Scorsese? No, no, it was one of the Italian guys, like uh, Sylvester Stallone, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, anyway, so that is look, I, I'm so excited. Wait, is Demons good? Is Demons a good movie, Bruce Perky? Did you? It's okay, it's it's all right. Uh, it's in that 80s. Weird uh, horror splattery kind of thing. It's good. It's decent. Okay. It's not my favorite, but it's it's got a lot of fun parts to it. Especially if you like to see a bunch of teenagers stuck in a church slash movie theater. Movie theater, I think it is. Mm, getting yeah. possessed by glowing, dripping demons' mouths. <laughs> so, just in case there was any confusion, Demons is directed by Lamberto Bava, written by Dario Argeno. So, there's it. 
Oh, very nice. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for that extra digging. Speaking of digging, last week, I've been obsessed with a movie I've yet to see. It's called The Last American Virgin, Eric Holmes. I'm I'm betting that you have seen The Last American Virgin, correct? I, I have not. I am betting, Bruce Perky, that you have seen The Last American Virgin. Am I correct? Um, I have, yes. Do you remember the ending? I remember it being really surprisingly downbeat towards the end. And I remember some stuff going down that's that's very serious for a kind of a 80s sex romp. That's my memory. Right. And I feel like it has the dude from... It has Diane Franklin in it. And I don't know. Yes, I, the... I remember Diane Franklin, but I thought the dude was the... No, he may not be. I thought it was going to be the dude from Christine, but I think I'm wrong about no, that. No, no, you're wrong on that. Yeah, no, but they sort of similar aesthetic in that leading man category from the early 80s. They don't look like the stereotypical leading man. Yeah, just look skinny, like real... dark-haired dude kind of a thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, The Last American Virgin. You've, have you ever heard of this movie, Eric Holmes? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's Boaz, really... Boaz Davidson, written yeah, and Bo- directed. Yeah, he has an interesting, if you ever look up at his IMDb, he has an interesting career. I'm eventually going to watch this movie. And this is something, obviously, we probably would have done for Find Your Film, but why can't we do it for Cinematics? But down the line, maybe that's, I think it's a movie that I'd, I'd want us to cover down the road. And because exactly what Bruce was saying about the ending for The Last American Virgin. Does the movie itself hold? I don't know. Bruce probably doesn't know either because he's working on a, on a 40-year-old memory of the movie. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but he got, he got the, but I saw the ending while I was watching clips of the movie on YouTube and I go, why did they use this ending? That's such an amazing ending for, like you said, a teen sex romp from the 80s. So eventually I'll, I'll get back to you guys and tell me, tell you guys my thoughts on, but I really want to track down the actors and director. I'm just really involved in this movie. Hopefully the movie is somewhat decent. We'll see. I don't know. Bruce, do you kind of remember it being kind of almost decent uh, as far as a rabbit hole goes? Yeah, it's one of those things where I was probably trying to watch it because it, on HBO it said nudity and <laughs> right. nudity and when stuff on there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is kind of making me feel bad things. Why am I feeling bad things at the end of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> making me sad. <laughs> yes, Eric. Uh, Boaz Davidson has a movie from 1995 called Lunar Cop starring Billy Drago. And Michael Perry. So I will definitely be going to check that one out. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's one of our publicists. I'm not going to mention her name. Her name's Rachel. I'm kidding. She's wonderful. One of my favorite publicists. She actually pitched me possibly with an Eric Roberts interview. And I said, I'm going to throw that to Eric Holmes. If we ever get an Eric Roberts interview, do you want to actually hands on deck for that Eric Roberts interview? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure. I'm trying to put words in your mouth and trying to do actions behind your back. But I'm assuming, you know, the the, the star of the Pope of Greenwich Village is, is a actor you want to actually interview am i wrong on that eric so oh you, you are not wrong are not <laughs> okay wrong. okay so speaking of wrong let's see well well wrong i don't know we, we, we towards the end of the episode we will get to a movie called memoria we will see how wrong is that that's a what's in the box special from bruce perky and bruce actually has another interesting movie for for a possible recommend or maybe not recommend it's from i think bottoms filmmaker i don't know her name but she's the filmmaker behind Bottoms. But the movie that Bruce is going to cover is Shiva Baby, as far as a recommend or not. We'll see if it's, it's worth it's Shiva, Shiva Baby. I think Shiva is like a Indian deity or something that has lots of arms. Emma Seligman. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for Emma Seligman. And 
Thank you for Shiva, baby. <laughs> Not Shiva, baby. Shiva, baby. Thank you. Hey, Shiva. I'd watch Shiva, baby, too. That sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> Shiva, right. Shiva, baby, of course. Yeah, I would watch Shiva, baby, too. But uh, is, that, is that like a baby with like four or six arms? Or, yeah, or, or, or is that the is that the, the elephant one? I, I know, you know, I know what you're talking about. I don't know. I, it could be wrong. Now, see, now we got to look at our, our Indian demigods or whatever they're called. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw this to Eric Hindu. Holmes. We have oh, we have three movies for our features uh, this week. We have Americazzi, we have Good Boy, and we have Megalomaniac. Eric Holmes, you get the choice. What do you want to cover first? Uh, let's not bury the lead. Let's go with Americazzi. Americazzi. Yeah, this is – oh, wow. This is uh, – where do I start, Bruce? I'm trying to think. Where do I start with Americazzi? This is an epic film. It centers on an American, and he's not, he's an immigrant to America, and it's set in 1948. A couple of decades, he fled Armenia to the US as a child due to, I believe, the Armenian genocide. And he's saved at that moment as he actually immigrates to America. Years later, in 1948, the Soviets are allowing Armenians back into back into their area for sort of a I, I don't know what is it it's not a claim property uh, but to, Soviet Armenia it was a repatriate um repatriates so they're repatriates I guess yeah the repatriates and yeah. it's sort of a way to actually reintegrate themselves to that society to that environment the problem is. For this American, this immigrant American, his name is Charlie, played by Michael A. Gorgian. I am hope I hope I don't pronounce some more names this episode. I was already horrible with the Shiva baby situation. Um, you do have to pronounce the director of Memoria for me later, though. Uh, that's okay. your responsibility. <laughs> I will try that, Bruce. Okay, Michael A. Gorgian. He is a screenwriter and director and lead, the star of this movie. He plays Charlie. He's American. His wife has passed. He's lived a life in America now, probably in his early 50s, early 40s, he decides to actually settle down in in, this, in in Russia, in you know, under Soviet rule because of this whole, like you said, Eric, the repatriates. What are we being a? He wants to be a repatriate, right? That yeah, I, th- I think the idea was that uh, so uh, the Soviet Union, uh, according to the movie, from what I gathered, the Soviet Union took over Armenia, uh, but they're trying to bring Armenians back to uh, Soviet Armenia and. Uh, the looks of this movie, probably not the greatest. No, it is not the greatest the, idea. The, the greatest idea? It's not the greatest idea, Eric, because eventually Charlie is immediately thrown to, into prison for a either a misunderstanding or a corrupt situation. There is the, what is, what is that obvious phrase? No good deed goes unpunished. He actually, there's a crowd of Armenians trying to get bread in a line with a truck, and there's a little kid in the way, and he helps the kid. And he, everything's fine. He, by helping that little kid, the kid's mother is Armenian. He bonds with the kid and the mother. Unfortunately, the Armenian woman's husband is a high-ranking Soviet officer. The Soviet officer eventually, through his machinations and just through just a horrible act, he decides to throw this good Samaritan Charlie into jail. And the rest of the movie deals with how he tries to persevere through his existence from jail, the one way that is sort of the heartbeat of his existence is at he's sort of at the top section of the jail, and he can see over the crumbling walls of the prison a uh, an Armenian man and woman living out their lives in an apartment that Armenian man is 
coincidentally, the one of the uh, officers in the prison, he mans the guard tower. And you can see it's sort of a, a little bit of a vertigo reference, sort of a voyeuristic situation. You see sort of two movies rolled into one. You see him observing their lives as well as you get to see his life in prison. It runs at 117 minutes. The languages are Armenian, English, and Russian. Some may say that this might be a long movie because it's almost close to two hours. For me, did not feel long whatsoever. I thought it was actually flew by because the story was really well executed. Love the character of Charlie and the people around the prison. And I just really enjoyed how this story unfolded. I think this is one of our biggest finds this year over at Cinematics. I don't know if you concur, Bruce Perky. What did you think of Americazzi? Yeah, I really like this movie a lot. But at first, I was kind of thrown off balance. And I think that's be kind of my warning going into this movie. At first, I just wasn't sure about the tone of this movie. Because because the music, the music, for example, very vibrant, like very, very vibrant. I mean, it's it's lush and full. And, and sometimes it's kind of almost comedic. And at first, I was like, what the heck is this music? This music seems so dissonant to this kind of gray prison movie. Uh, but then as I kind of sunk into the tone and the feel of this movie, uh, it really worked for me and it became more and more evocative for me. So I think that would be kind of my, my, I guess my, my warning up front would be stick with it a little bit. I think also this is going to get a lot of people saying life is beautiful. Oh, this is just life is beautiful in Armenia. And I don't think that's really fair either because I think they do different things where life is beautiful is, you know, this very comedic character trying to f- make things fun in a very horrible situation for his kid trying to hide his kid from the realities and kind of to, to mask everything whereas this is much different i think this character of charlie he's almost more uh at the start i would say just naive like he's just naive and he's kind of like the ultimate american right like ah yes you know everyone's gonna want to just do things like I want to do them. I want to come here and find out about my, my, you know, my heritage. And I'll just talk to people. They're sure they're Stalinist Russians. What are they going to not have a like to hear me talk about things in ties and <laughs> neckties? And, uh, and he just is really, really not aware of how he, how, first of all, the bureaucracy and just the arbitrary nature of the Stalinist bureaucracy can just in a whim almost make him a prisoner for years and years and years and years. And you mentioned Vertigo. I kept thinking Rear Window. I don't know if that's what you made me mention oh, Rear Window. that's my fault. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I was thinking Rear Window some of the time, but if Rear Window was like... So, like, if Jimmy Stewart, instead of having his cast on, was literally, you know, encaged in his apartment, and his whole meaning of life depended upon all those people across the way. But in this case, there's only the one. And I think there's so many magical things in this movie. There's some really awesome ways that communication is attempted between the outside and the inside world. There's also the use of art. It's really interesting in this. And the whole point of him was coming to Armenia was to learn about Armenian culture and how that plays into this is very, very interesting. I think this is a fantastic movie and it's a fantastic prison movie of its own type. I think some people might be disappointed because it doesn't have kind of a lot of the uh, usual prison tropes, although it has a few of them, 
but it's very, I mean, a lot of people could complain, oh, it's a guy looking out a window because <laughs> it kind of is, <laughs> but the stakes are so amazing in this movie. And just for example, how much in this movie were you two hoping and praying that that wall never got repaired? I know I was. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I cannot, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly recommend this movie. This is a movie you can recommend to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people maybe wouldn't go out and watch it. And I think uh, this reminds me of another find from this year, which was Love Love Finds a Room, Love Gets a Room. I forget which one Love it was. Gets a Room, yes, Bruce. Yeah. And, and both war movies of, of a sort, but both kind of different and both finding an interesting joy and lyricism and like real motion in those moments. And I think those two movies are two big finds that kind of work together. Oh, and it's heartbreaking because you're saying finds and I think one of the things we don't want to shove movies down people's throats, but we just hope and pray that movies like love gets room and Americati really does find a much larger audience, especially I'm sure even the diehard cinephiles may even not may ignore this movie. I don't know, but this movie again, Americati comes out on Friday, September 8th at New York squad cinema and LA's AMC Glendale. Eric, I'm sure you're hoping that this actually has a wider reach. Let me hear your thoughts on Americati. Yeah, um, I will uh, echo the rear window. It's very much like rear window. I would also throw in like it's got like the heart and kind of edge of Shawshank Redemption. That's got a lot of that, too. Man, this movie's great. Um, By the way, I was wearing a Vertigo shirt and I I apologize for that. (laughs) And that's why I horrible on Hitchcock. I apologize to Hitchcock and you guys. So but uh, so I've never seen Life is Beautiful. Watching this made me want to go check out Life is Beautiful because Life is Beautiful just seemed like it'd be homework. And then I saw this. I'm like, dude, if Life is Beautiful is anything like this, I totally want to watch it. Did you feel Um, like this movie would be homework before you started? Because I didn't know what this movie was because I I didn't watch and I didn't see a poster. I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I just put it on. Man, I was actually kind of blown away by this one. First of all, it's weird because it's got a lot of heart with what the, like you have a person developing a relationship with someone that they never even talked to. They, you know, eventually see each other, you know, they, they have a connection, but it's kind of like a, a connection uh, where there's no communication or no vocal communication, at least in his relationship between him and the, uh, the guy in the guard tower that's across, you know, he's looking at him through his home. There's a part of this in the end where he raises a glass to him and I'm bawling. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. But then I'm kind of torn on it too. And this kind of, this is kind of the, the push and pull with this movie. I'm kind of torn because dude, he's, in prison and you're imprisoning them and they and they even they even kind of developed that as well yeah that, uh, there's another scene where uh the guard tower guys got to do something he really doesn't want to do and yeah uh they, they, this movie's like really it, it has a lot of heart to it but when it gets uh when it gets intense it gets intense in a very emotional way just like i mentioned but i didn't kind of detail this movie's great I hope everyone gets to watch this. Yeah. I think Bruce, you mentioned the word magical. I think the most magical thing about this movie is one of the themes of the film is obviously it starts with the boy take being led off from his village in a trunk, because if he's right, if the trunks open, he'll be killed along with everyone else. I think we're assuming the mother is actually holding him at the beginning. And she's saying, no matter what happens to you, always smile. So when you start off a movie like that, you think 
that the director, he or she would have that license to have all these saccharine, syrupy, honey-filled moments with him making people smile. Nope. It doesn't, it doesn't overplay its hand. It doesn't get too over sentimental. In fact, Eric was mentioning about the third act. The final moments to me are very, very subtle and inferred mm. and really well done. And I think this movie is really magical because it doesn't go for the easy sentimental things that will make you cry. You will have emotion and you mentioned evocative. It is evocative because it underplays its hand a lot of times. So any final comments regarding Americazzi, Bruce or Eric before we get to ratings? No, I mean, look for this movie. It's fantastic. It probably will be streaming soon, but I would say, if, yeah, if you have a theater that's playing it, go check it out. I mean, I can imagine that this, the score on this and watching it on a big screen would be amazing. This is, this would be a no brainer, I would say. Yeah. So for me, my, I think this is room to grow, but my rating, initial rating for Americazzi is four and a half stars. Eric Holmes, your rating on Americazzi. Do you like Rear Window? Do you like Shawshank Redemption? You will like Americazzi. Five stars. This one's a complete banger. There. Okay. Bruce Berkey, your rating. Uh, five stars as well. Wow. Huge, huge praise for Americazzi. Again, Michael A. Gorgian is the writer, director, and lead actor. A lot of people say whenever someone does that, it seems like a vanity project. Sometimes vanity projects are not so vanity when they're actually really well done. And it doesn't seem like a vanity. It just feels like a very love, uh, labor of love inspired piece. Yes, Bruce, I'm sorry. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think it's this is the opposite of a vanity project. I feel like it is truly a labor of love. This is probably a story he really, really wanted to tell. And he probably did whatever he could to get it out there. It looks really good too. So I don't know oh. how he got everyone on board for it, but, but it's it's a quality production. This yeah. also not, not in like tone or story or anything, but uh, kind of like how Jim Cummings stars in his own movies, but the characters that he plays, it's like, who else are you going to get to play that? He nailed it. This is kind of the, the same same deal with Americazi. Who else are you going to play that part? Okay. So that is high. Ron across board praise for Americazi again Friday in New York and LA, but at New York's Quad Cinema and LA MC Glendale. But hopefully, with good word of mouth, Americazi will be playing in more theaters and down the road, hopefully, will be available on digital and on demand streaming, et cetera. And I'm just glad. We're the early birds on this film, and we're going to spread the word on how great Americazzi is. You know, I'm thinking Love Gets Room, and also, we have to mention again, Our Father the Devil. We love that movie. There's so many great <laughs> Hey, I remember it now. I remember what that movie is. <laughs> Our Father the Devil, please. You know, it's still playing, I think, at Quad Cinema as we speak this week. I, I hope it keeps on going, and I hope more people get to see these three aforementioned movies. I don't know. Does this movie called by Saban Films, Good Boy, it hits theaters and on demand on digital September 8th, which is good news for people who like to stay at home. You can purchase it on demand in digital. This movie, Good Boy, it premiered to acclaim at last year's Beyond Fest, and it centers on Sigrid, a woman who believes she's met the perfect guy in Christian. The problem is, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correct. I'm thinking it's instead of Christian, it might be Christian, thinking. But Christian, he lives with a man who acts like a pet dog, like his pet dog. So how does Sigrid... How can she navigate through that situation? She likes the guy, but he has a pet dog who's actually a human being. Eric Holmes, you have the most information on this movie. You did the interviews. What can you tell us about Good Boy? Yeah, uh, Good Boy, um, this is, I don't know if I should say this, but this movie kind of uh, has a similar kind of uh, trajectory as Fresh, where the movie Fresh started off as one thing. 
and then right. turn into something completely different. That's kind of what the, yeah. the chess movie. No, I uh, no the uh, uh, one with the Winter Soldier and uh, who else was in that? I I forget. Well, it starts I, out as a rom com and ends up as uh, oh, right. food right. movie. Thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I remember that. Yes. Yeah, foodie movie. <laughs> yeah, but this one starts off as kind of like a you know secret uh, meets Christian, and you know they you know kind of develop a relationship and then when she goes there there uh christian has uh what would you call him i don't think it's i don't think furry is a correct term but it's yeah. kind of something uh similar to that where just someone just wants to dress as a dog and act as a dog and of course she's like turned off by it but then it, it's kind of just part of their lives now she's like she likes christian and he's charming and everything. So we'll see if we can make it work. And then she kind of turns around and I'm thinking, Oh wow, this is, this is kind of like a, this is kind of a cool movie. It's uh you know, a relationship where there's, I don't know, like a, a someone with a different lifestyle that might put some people off, but after a while you kind of get used to it. And I thought it was a really good way to uh, show how, you know, different lifestyles can, if you're open to it, they're completely fine and fun. And, you know, they're just, you can love and be with people that think and act differently than you. Hmm. And then it switches. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not that movie. This is what I thought this was, was going to be. <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of took it down a couple notches, but that, that second half, was also a really creepy and good movie in its own right. If if I had anything bad to say about this movie is I really, really, really wish it would just lean into that first half and kind of uh, taken that to the full extent because the second half is things we've seen before. But in the, the world we're living in now, I think the first half is the more important story to tell. It, you know, it's the more, uh, you know, hey, let's be open to different people with uh, different points of view and the second kind of, half still works for you though right does the second half still that, second half works for me in a vacuum but with what they set up in the first half it's kind of like i almost squandered the first half by what they did with the second half that said i like both equally i just it's kind of like oil and water so like I I could watch the first half and then just have them keep going with that. Likewise, I could watch the last half with a different with a different opening. All that said, I think the movie that we got, uh, I still liked it, but I was kind of this movie could have been a banger, and this also could have been a movie that I think people with the uh, you know different lifestyles would gravitate towards had they maintained uh maintained the the heart and uh what they were going with in the first half newsflash before we get to bruce i have an email eric uh, there's a movie with eric roberts i i forgot the name of the movie but it's, i'm being pitched by a publicist that she says i have time with eric roberts and the director monday at 12 40 p.m can you make it eric Ohms, think about it first before we get to Bruce Perky. Uh, okay. don't, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Crossing fingers. We'll see what happens. Will Eric Holmes interview Eric Roberts or will it be my, my job? We'll see what happens in a second. Let's see what Bruce says about Good Boy. Well, Good Boy, I have almost the exact same reaction as Eric. The first half, I think, for for most the most part, was really interesting. And there's one big reservation I have. So she 
has this kind of, they, they kind of have this kind of tindery sort of date where they don't really know each other. And it's kind of that awkward thing. You kind of get a feeling he's a little bit socially not really super out there, even though he's a super good looking, you know, whatever he is, Swedish Nord- Nordic guy, whatever he is. But when she sees Frank, she immediately is like out of there, you know, like, what, what is this? Something's weird is going on. I'm out of here. I can't handle this. But her, her friend convinces her to go back partly because she tells her that she tells Sigrid that this guy is like this super rich heir of this. And I kind of wish that hadn't been there, or I wish it would have played more of a part in him. Maybe not once he found out that she knew that maybe he was less like he thought her motives weren't there all the way. Cause I kind of wanted to see the exploration kind of like Eric says of this, how do you come to terms and maybe come to accept this unconventional interpersonal relationship, right? That's the first half of this movie is kind of going. And I think I thought of things like Lars and the Real Girl, yeah. uh, definitely thought of that. Uh, I also thought a little bit of Dogs Don't Wear Pants, even though that doesn't quite have the same thing, but there's still that kind of idea of, of kind of average person discovering or really exploring an alternate lifestyle that they never would have considered. And I think that's very interesting. And I was very disheartened by the second half for some of the same reasons Eric was, which is it became much more of a of a genre piece that we've seen versions of a lot of times. And that disappointed me quite a bit. And I didn't think I'm not saying it didn't want to go there, but it almost like it didn't have its convictions to like really see through the story. I, I don't know. I am probably wrong. I probably that's always where I wanted it to go. But once it started happening, I was like, mm, not as happy with it. I will give the director a bit of credit. And this is just because I the interview them. This is what they said. But the, the idea was the last half was the idea. Yeah. So the, the first half was stuff leading up to that within the creation writing process and all that. So it wasn't it wasn't the other way around of, hey, let's have this sweet movie and then. Ooh, bam! Let's turn it into it, it, it. It was actually opposite when he when he was coming up with this. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him credit for that for sure. But yeah, I mean the the first half did so well. It's kind of like oh, I wish we was stuck with that. And and I wonder if that's like you know that's just kind of the creative process. Like you're you're writing a screenplay and you have the ending in mind, but sometimes what comes before the ending is so good and. It changes the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, you almost have to go in a different direction. I also will push back a bit on the, her reason for going back. I think it, I I don't think that undermines it because that's a realistic way in which she would go back. So it's kind of like, like you're doing, you're doing the thing for bad reasons, but then it turns out okay because, you know, you go back and then you learn things and then, yeah. I guess I'm different. I'm rewriting the movie a little bit in my head that like that would have become a big piece between them because he probably yeah. would have a lot of I guess he'd have a lot of baggage around that because he probably has been dealt with that way a lot because of his money. So I think that would have become a, a piece of the but I guess I'm once again making a story that's much more of a complex character piece that it doesn't end up being. So, yeah. OK, so that is good boy. What is your rating on this film? I don't know. I, hopefully maybe it might be a requisite, like at least a decent watch. Bruce, what is your rating on good boy? I'm still going to give it a three because there's enough good stuff here that I didn't have a terrible time watching it, but I, I, I just, it, it kept going down from higher scores to a three as I kept watching it. So that was the sad part for me. Okay. And what about you, Eric? What is your rating on? I'm off the, I'll also give it a, a I want to give it a three and a half, but I kind of want to go four because the movie's not a bad movie. Right. It's just, yeah. it's got this weird thing. That's not the movie's fault. It's my fault that, 
I wanted the, based on what happened in the first half, I wanted the movie to go somewhere else that it didn't go. And that's in actually, yeah. Probably, uh, yeah. But we know, both so had I, that reaction. I mean, it's probably good for the filmmaker to know that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're like the lone voices in the woods, but. But, but also like it, if you don't care about that stuff, like just watching this movie for what it becomes in the third act, I think people like, I, I, I don't think it's too much to say this a thriller. Cause if you watch the trailer, that's kind of what it presents itself as if you're watching this movie as like a thriller or horror adjacent, I guess, then it's watch the trip, watch the trailer. It's that movie, and it's a very, very good version of that movie. I think um, in the first half that I wanted to kind of continue that pace, and it goes in a different direction, which is fine. And that's that's the movie they that's the movie they advertise. But it's like, dude, you you, you had gold there, you had gold there. But uh, yeah, th- this definitely a recommend three and a half. But yeah, it's three and a half. Could have been a six point nine banger. Oh, okay. So at least it's it's worth watching on the very least. That is the good boy again in theaters on September 8th, but it it will also be on digital and on demand that day as well. So I don't know. It seems like a very interesting movie to watch at the very least. Now, speaking of of interesting movie to watch, there's a movie called Megalomaniac. And I I think it's a movie, it's a uh, set in, where is it set, Bruce? It's it's a- um, Belgium? Yeah, yeah, Belgium, Belgian filmmaker, and it's actually inspired. It's the movie itself is not. It's based on a true killing, but it's an extrapolation extrapolation of what happened to this unsolved case of a murderer, serial killer who would dismember his victims and put them put their bodies in, uh, put their limbs in body bags. So it jumps off from that unsolved 1997 or 98 case to actually make a movie called Megalomaniac. This time it's set it centers on the children, brother and sister of a serial killer and how they live in this pretty expansive home in this remote area of I guess Belgium and the brother is a serial killer who yes, he cuts bodies, puts them into trash bags and disposes of them and he goes on midnight prowls to track down people and stab them to death then he comes back home and because of his extracurricular, heinous, evil activities, his sister has to probably keep pay the bills. So she pays the bills by working at a local factory and as a janitor. And even though she is part of a serial killing family, she is a victim herself. She gets brutalized by and raped by her coworkers. So that is the actual atmosphere of megalomaniac you're wondering the rest of the movie deals with how is this woman is she is she going to become like her brother how can she stand what's going on in the house are there dead bodies in the house are there captives in the house what happens to people who try to actually knock on the door and become friends or something to these people what happens to the co-workers in the factory set all this up with a lot of violence and a lot of brutality and this is a movie that what is that genre guys the New French extremity, is that what they call it? Oh, yeah, French extremity. Okay. Yeah. French extremity. So I think if, if cinephiles who are a fan of that genre will probably gravitate to this. And I'm not a, I'm not an expert in this genre. I think Eric and Bruce appreciate this genre a little bit more than me. 
So let's start off with Bruce Perky, your thoughts on Megalomaniac. Was it, is it too much for some people? That said, is it still an excellent film? Uh, well, I think it definitely, you could pretty uh, plainly say it's too much, much for some people, I would say. Uh, this is not the kind of movie I don't think you just recommend willy-nilly to your grandma or something. This is, uh, yeah, French Extremity, I think, is a good baseline. I don't think it's quite quite in the same camp, although maybe adjacent to that. But I think people who can watch those kind of movies or are interested in those kind of movies, and we're talking about Irreversible and all that kind of stuff. We've talked about some of those in the past, uh, Martyrs, those kind of really harrowing, relentless, really bleak kind of uh, looks at versions of reality or not reality. People could, that can kind of hang with that or go those those paths, I guess, would be the kind of people you might suggest for this movie. Because like you said, I mean, just your description alone should give people some pause if it's not for them. Because you're mostly following the the Martha character, who's the sister and gosh, I mean, her life is pretty terrible in any kind of way it can be. I mean, just think of her just kind of, I just, uh, you're just watching the, her drudgery of this kind of factory custodian at night. And then on top of that, just getting abused daily and then going home to this weird home life. And then you find out that she's definitely got levels of unbalance in her own psyche along with her brother, obviously is fully over the edge of whatever he's done. Uh, we get some, and like you said, we have some visitors, a couple different types of visitors to this house and they both have some fairly harrowing encounters as well. I would say this is a movie I respect for its purity of vision more than I enjoyed the experience of watching it. So it's a, it's an interesting one for me to rate for that reason. But it definitely, there's definitely some interesting filmmaking going here. It's got really interesting score. It's, it looks correct, correctly dark and dank and it's vibrant in its own weird way. I know Eric is going to describe what he kept thinking of when he was watching it. So I won't bring that one up. But for some reason, even though it isn't the same world and isn't the same kind of nightmarish world exactly, but I kept thinking of Baskin when I watched this. This oh, yeah. felt like. This felt like it was in the same sort of weird alternate reality. Like it, both movies feel like the kind of thing where like if you stepped into the wrong building and were stuck in with these people, that you're just in this own a very personal kind of hell that you wish you weren't in, but you're in there. So you're in here for 95 or 108 minutes or whatever it was. And uh, you're, you're going for the ride. So I would say I have a begrudging respect for this movie more than a love for this movie. I will say it's a singular experience, at least from my point of view. It's just yeah. a very singular experience. Eric, your thoughts? Uh, everything Bruce said is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, go along. <laughs> yeah, this movie is like dark, both just visually and like you know, just dark thematically. Well, I mentioned to Bruce uh, off air that this, the opening, the opening title sequence to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the David Fincher version. This movie looks as amazing as that. I, I, th I thought I thought the look of this movie was just fantastic. And like Bruce said, it's dark, but it's like it's dark, but it looks good. It looks really good. Uh, as far as the story goes, like this is weird because I feel like the movie that plays in front of you is not the complete story. I mm. feel like the movie's trying to tell me something that I'm not picking up, but I'm 
interested to go back and it's like, what does it all mean, man? You know, you, you have all the, the, the murder stuff and the stuff with the, with the uh, sister and her getting raped by her coworkers. And like, you, you, you have all that stuff, but it feels like there's another message under underlying the entire thing. And I didn't quite pick up on that. I don't think that's a movie's fault. I think that's just me being sometimes I need a catcher's mitt on my, no, I know. Wait, I'm going to, no, I think it was actually, there are some abstract images imagery yeah. in this film. And to your point, Eric, there are dream sequences or surrealistic moments yeah. that. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a bunch of those open to interpretation. So I think yeah. it might well, be hard to even, yeah, sorry. I, I feel like, no, I agree. I think that there, but there also could be allegorical stuff going on here too. We don't know about like, this could be, I mean, I, I kind of hate Serbian film, but the whole idea of Serbian film as being an allegory or Sallow being an allegory for political stuff, there could be something like that going on here too. And that could be the kind of thing that maybe Eric's tapping into there. There could be something going on that way. Yeah. yeah. It could be. But, uh, over my head. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, the the action scenes in this are are really well done. Save for like, there's there's one scene in particular that goes a little too hard on the shaky cam. You know, they could have dialed that back. But even even that scene was like uh, the uh, the chaos and the the fear and that kind of still came through. I, yeah, I'm kind of with kind of with Bruce. Uh, I think I actually like this a lot more than Bruce. Uh, where Definitely respect this movie. I don't think I fully got it, but this is one of those movies that I would kind of like to go back and kind of pick apart and see what I'm missing and kind of because it, it's it definitely has some uh, David Lynch vibes to this as well. Where like David Lynch gets mm -hmm. weird, but it's like it, it's like I don't get it, but I feel like he does. So let me see if I can figure this out. This is kind of what Megalomaniac does. It's like I'm not fully grasping everything. But I feel that there's intent there and the filmmakers aren't just throwing out random stuff, just throw it out. I feel like there's a puzzle to be solved here. And let me tell you, this is probably not this is off topic. Well, maybe kind of a topic adjacent. After watching Megalomaniac, I have I've always respected them. I have a newfound respect for social workers. Let me just tell you, they have a hard <laughs> job. They have a really hard job. And there is a specific dish. That is served. I'm not going to say if it's served hot or cold, but it's a specific dish that I will never eat after watching Megalomaniac. So it's just, it's just going to have to happen that way. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think you're going to ever have that dish again, Eric Holmes? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Oh, you are, <laughs> you are disgusting, Eric Holmes. I'm, How I'm, could you say that? I'm, I'm a human dumpster. I'll eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is fair. That is, you are very good with those courtroom dramas. That is a good rebuttal. Now. Megalomaniac final thoughts before we get into ratings, guys. Going once, um, going twice. Bruce. The only thing I wanted to say was I think if I'm correct that Eric is talking about the scene that he thought was a little too frantic is towards the end and it's very bloody. Is that what you're thinking of? No, it was uh, someone's running away. It's outside. Oh, uh, okay. And the okay. camera's doing this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. But I love the setting where that happened, though. Yeah. The, the setting was very cool. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's all I had to say. Sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, but that scene, that and that third act is something yeah. to behold. Yeah. I really love that third act. Okay, so let's get oh, to it. Oh, yeah. Actually, real quick. So that third act, 
Yeah. There's characters doing things where I'm rooting for the character and then have to pause and back up, go, wait, this person's a piece of crap. We should be rooting for this person. (laughs) I do have one thing to bring up. The final tableau uh, that that mirrors the opening tableau, the final tableau is is for this movie specifically, whether you like it or not, it does nail the landing for sure. It it does. It totally does. Look, my rating again what is it? What the uh, new French extremity, French extremity genre is not for me. Okay. But based on just on that cinema, cinematic level, I'm giving Megalomaniac solid recommend three and a half stars right down the line. Bruce Perky, what is your rating on this film? I, I went all over the place on this one. I'm going to give it four stars. I think this is a pretty good movie. I don't know, but I can't recommend it to most people. <laughs> You can't recommend it to most people. Again, it's from Dark Star Pictures. So don't get mad at me if you watch it and didn't listen to me. It's not my fault. <laughs> New York, LA, I think OH. What is OH? Ohio? Yeah. New York, LA, Ohio, Minnesota. Next on on Friday, September 8th, before a national VOD release, September 26th. Eric Holmes, mark this on your book, September 26th. That is a week when we have to re-promote megalomaniac because we have to get some people to see this uh, am i correct on that yeah. we're, we're going to recommend this movie to who eric holmes um i don't know and that's why i'm giving it a three-star banger uh <laughs> there, there's a very specific audience for this that's yeah. gonna watch this go holy crap this is a movie i've been waiting for my entire life and there's another audience that watches this says i nope <laughs> I'd say if just, you if you hear there's a brand new Gaspar Noe movie and you hear there's a brand new Lars von Trier movie and you're just like oh I must get first first exactly. ticket that's yes. that's to who wants to go see this movie yes oh, and finally to Bruce's point it's really good filmmaking that director uh, I gotta pull up the name again but Karim Quehaj <laughs> okay Quehaj. thank th- thank you Bruce but you're just wondering it, even if it's not this kind of really violent film. He's a great filmmaker. He yeah. he knows how to compose shots. There is a chase sequence which looks like it comes out of a high end thriller, and it's really I well done. See this person doing a neo noir or a war movie or a crime thriller, and having it be anything, any kind of movie that Fincher would do really well. I could see this person doing really well yeah. in their own way. Oh my gosh, there is a sequence. You know, I gave this movie three and a half stars. Maybe I should have given it four stars. There is a sequence <laughs> in the factory where there is a an absolute awesome person-to-person confrontation mm. that is nonverbal, and I'm not going to say what happens, that you're just going, what the F? And it's just so well done. I think you guys know what it's about. It's one of these kind of situations, and it's really well done. Really good filmmaker. And three and a half for me, three-star banger from Eric Holmes, solid four stars from Bruce Perky, and that is Megalomaniac. Now, I think we're done with all our movies for our featured films, but we're, we have a couple more films to get out of the way before we leave this episode. We have a movie that I mispronounced. I said it was Shiva Baby, but it's Shiva Baby. <laughs> that is a recommendation for hopefully from Bruce Perky. Why did you see this movie? What is this movie about? Yeah, etc. cetera. Uh, well, I've heard him talk about it on the Film Vault for quite a while. I've been meaning to watch it forever. I noticed it was on, I think, HBO Max, if I remember correctly. I don't know if it just showed up there or I just noticed it there. You know how that happens sometimes. But uh, Bottoms just got released a week or so ago, which I would like to see soon. Maybe not in the theater, but we'll see. But directed, I believe, by the same director, if I'm right. Definitely has the same star, which is uh, Rachel Senat. Senat? I don't know how to say her name. Senat, yeah. Uh, And I believe they're the team... I think it's the same team that was in this movie is also behind Bottoms. And Shiva Baby is from 2020. 
and this is a great example of how you do a really focused movie in almost almost all in one location, but also make it kind of this. Uh, it's it's like this is like its own little subgenre that I think the uh, Safdie brothers really do great, which is this kind of I don't know social psychological anxiety thriller of sorts, <laughs> you know. But they're not they don't really have all the trappings of a normal thriller, but they they keep you tense even though people are mostly just talking and here's the basic setup i don't know if either of you seen shiva baby the basic setup for shiva baby is uh the racial senate character danielle it opens with her and you're, she's she's finishing a love making session with a man you know she's bouncing on him calling him daddy she gets off he's an older dude of course uh, there's kind of an awkward relationship between them you can tell something's weird he ends up giving her money but talks about how he's helping her through school so you're like, is she a prostitute or is it kind of like a unspoken thing going on here between the two of them? Very, very quick scene. And then he gives her this really nice bracelet. And very quickly, we go to the next scene where her family is is having her go to this, uh, you know, after this funeral, I guess, I don't know, in non-Jewish society, what would it be like? A, not a wake, but a, I don't know, where you have all the food and all the family members get together after after the funeral. And it's basically, I think that's what a shiva is. I'm Once again, sorry if I'm really in, ignorant here, because I do not know anything about that part of um, Jewish life. Anyway, they're all going there, and she's kind of reluctantly going there with her family. And very quickly, you get the feeling that she is kind of the, a little bit of the, the flaky sort of disappointment of the family. You know, she's the young woman that this isn't, you know, when they, when they ask, well, what's, what's, what are you doing? How's it going, Danielle? And she's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to school and doing this. And the parents are kind of, t- you know, they're all kind of making stories for what she's doing. Almost like, uh, once again, to compare another thing, the beginning party of The Graduate, where he's getting bounced around for all these family and friends. And they're all like asking how you're doing. What's going on? How are you doing with your life? That's kind of what she's doing in this party. She doesn't want to be there. She's meeting people that have expectations for her. She's uncomfortable. It's just this socially bad place for her to be. But she's stuck there. And as she's bouncing around very quickly, in the front door walks the guy we saw she just had an affair with and has apparently been having an ongoing affair with. And their lives have never bumped into each other at the same place with all their mutual friends and family. And that's the setup for the whole movie. And the whole movie is her bouncing and emotionally spinning further and further out of control and you're just constantly tense about what's going to be found out, what's going to happen, and who's going to say or find out what about whom. It's really a shot across the bow for Rachel Sennett, as as far as an actor goes, just coming in there, just owning this movie. Because she's pretty much in every scene in this movie. Uh, other than her, um, Max, who is the guy, is... Dude, you've seen him in... Oh, I, 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 I can't say. I can't remember his name. But he was in a in a world that he was in that movie. <laughs> he played the main guy. This is a really great movie. Uh, quick watch. It's like an hour and 18 minutes or something like that, which is perfect for this kind of movie. Uh, like I said, in one location, but it doesn't feel stifling. It's actually just crackling and active and funny and tense and, and it's great. So writer, directors, Emma Seligman, and just a great voice, you think, as far as writer do you was it was it very funny? yes yeah 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 it's 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 funny in the way that it's like it's not that it's more that awkward like oh god making you cringe like i said safety brothers i think that is a great comparison because when you watch safety brothers there's always that kind of tension and there's that awkwardness of situation that is humorous too but tense too and i think that's how this movie operates okay so that is 
Shiva Baby, written and directed by Emma Seligman, headlined by Rachel Sennett. And hopefully one of these days, all three of us will go get to see Bottoms because that's getting a ton of heat right now. A lot of people are loving that film. What is your rating on Shiva Baby? I went between four and four and a half. I think I'm going to go four and a half because I just had a heck of a fun time watching this movie. And um, it's fast and it just, it's rewatchable. And yeah, this is just really, really a lot of fun. I would say, Greg, you would probably really like this movie. It doesn't really go the same as Woody Allen, but how Woody Allen is kind of based on these crackling interactions between characters that are highly neurotic and highly awkward. This is got some of that going on too. Oh, I think this is something that's right up my alley. After that, after this, I might be on your train and really hope to see Bottoms in a theater near me. So that is the recommendation of the week. We're going to fi- finally close on what's in the box before we get to what's in the box. Eric Holmes, we have to promote Peter Beta and Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro from the middle class film class. What does Peter Beta do for every, uh, for every week here at Cinematics, Eric Holmes? Uh, you know, after a uh... A week of Good Boy, Megalomaniac. Uh, not so much Americazzi. Americazzi had some joy to it, but uh, <laughs> the the other two is. Uh, I, I think we could use a nice, just uh, slowly throw a comforter over that beat and kind of lean on top of it and kiss a good night with that beat. <laughs> <laughs> Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? All right, we're stupid. back. No, that wasn't stupid, Eric. That was you're you're not the one who you mispronounced Shiva, baby, like I did. So Bruce Perky, it's Shiva, baby, of course. What is your what's in the box this week? What's the movie? Uh, it's Memoria, and as I mentioned last week, if you didn't listen, uh, Memoria is kind of a notoriously, I guess, distributed movie. I guess I'd say. Uh, first of all, it's directed by. Do you have the name ready uh, there, Greg? Uh, oh, I'm going to look at we're Rossi the cool. Yes. Who will also <laughs> regularly goes by Joe because he knows no one can pronounce his name. So he'll say, you can just call him I just, Joe. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not actually. I think that's pretty close. I heard a few people say it. And I'm like, I, I just can't. My, my brain can't do it. So uh, Joe, I guess. Uh, this. So first of all, Memoria. So I think I mentioned last week, the idea was this movie was going to be launched very slowly and it was for most of its run from at one city at a time. So this literally played in Birmingham, uh, which I could not get to, but played in Birmingham. And then the next day it would go to like I don't, Atlanta or the next week it would go to Atlanta, stay like one place for a week or several days, go to another place, literally just go to one theater at a time and just kind of tour around. And the goal was it would only do that. I think it very briefly opened in a few cities at the same time, but probably then even our art house, you know, it was probably LA, Chicago, maybe Seattle and New York, something like that. Anyway, it got a pretty limited run. The other thing is it was supposed to never get released on any kind of physical media. So first of all, if you go to look for it streaming right now, supposedly it's streamed or it has streamed a little bit in Australia, but it literally is streaming nowhere. If you go to find the Blu-ray of it, it does exist, but I think only as international copies. So somehow Peter Beta got this. He said it was one of the worst viewing experiences he ever had. He immediately posted on our our cinematics facebook page hey whoever wants this i'll send it off to him and you can punish yourself so i i said send it to me he sent it to me and uh so i i got to make this my box movie of the week 
Memoria directed by the person that uh, Eric mentioned, starring Tilda Swinton. Basically, Tilda Swinton's in every scene in this. This director, who also did Uncle Boon Me, which we almost watched. Yes. Right. <laughs> I guess famously, this director is known as a very, very deliberate filmmaker. So, <laughs> Eric, this may not be for you in any way. So, think about it this way. If Drive My Car was just a little too action-packed for you, then... <laughs> This director's work might be right up your alley. So <laughs> look at Eric's face. <laughs> so sounds, there were literally, sounds good. There sounds were literally good. a few <laughs> scenes in this movie where I thought the Blu-ray might have frozen. Like I, I actually thought it might have frozen, but no, it was still in motion. You know, um, <laughs> there's a scene where a character, uh, Tilda Swinton wakes up at night and it's a big, loud boom. She hears this big, loud boom. She thinks it's construction work. I don't, we don't know what it is, but it's just boom wakes her up. And she kind of dismisses it and goes along with her life. She does something with orchids. Her sister's in the hospital. And on the way, walking across the street one day, she hears the boom again. And one guy like ducks and runs away like he heard the boom too. You're not sure. But no one else seems to react. So she starts to think she's having an auditory hallucination. And essentially, she starts to try to research, recreate the boom somehow, find someone who can recreate the sound for her so she can maybe identify it and figure out what's going on or if it's just in her head or what's going on. That's kind of the the essential mystery of this movie. And there's lots of Tilda Swinton walking around places and looking at things and listening to things. There's one scene, for example, she meets up with a person who says he doesn't dream. She says, when you sleep, you don't dream. And, and he says something to the effect of, no, no, I don't dream. She says, what happens? She goes, he goes, nothing. And she goes, show me. So then he lays down on the ground and he falls asleep. And you watch him lay down on the ground and fall asleep. And then you watch him sleep for a while. <laughs> oh my! And God. then he wakes. And then he wakes up. <laughs> and she says, "That's that's the kind of movie this is." So this is definitely uh, if there's any kind of movie that's like a vibe movie, you either get into and enjoy the vibe, or you don't. You know, the soundscape is a big part of it. It's a lot of natural sounds, and you'll just be sitting in a setting watching her slowly walk through it. Um, or stand and look at something barely moving. There's a lot of that in this movie. All that being said, I kind of love this movie. What? I, I, I kind of really like this movie. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, hold on, um, Bruce. Wait, wait Bruce. The, on Rotten Tomatoes, which I know our buddy Joseph Bridges believes is not a good resource. And, you know, uh, with all due respect, yeah. I, I, I think it's a good resource. I agree to disagree, Joseph Bridges. We love him. He's one of our uh, wonderful members for our Facebook group, does almost even daily recommendations. But look, Memoria, 90% critics. Love it. 42% audience. Where, where does that yeah, divide? Yeah, that seems right. That okay. seems right. Yeah. I mean, this is, so I usually get mad at Anderson because he says like critics, you know, critic proof, blah, blah, blah. And I like, yeah, this is kind of one of those movies. Like you, if you like this director, you like this, but I can absolutely see like most people just hating this movie and not having any value in it. This is, okay. We talked about, what was the movie we watched where it was like the sculptures? Wasn't that also Tilda Swinton? The sculptures. And right. It was and she, just, oh, she did the narration. Um, she did the narration yeah. to it. Yeah. And it was the mu music of uh, Jorgensen. Yeah. yeah. Johan yeah. Jorgensen. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, that's an experimental movie. If you get into the vibe, you get into it. This is kind of, it isn't similar, but as far as this is experimental, if you get into the vibe of this movie, it can hypnotize you. And you can really, I think this is like, you put your headphones on, you sit down, you're relaxed. 
and you just let it wash over you and it either works or it doesn't. Uh, I think for most people, it's not going to work it, for whatever reason. I don't know if I was just expecting it to be terrible and slow. So I let, I let it kind of come into my, my world, but I really enjoyed it quite a bit. One thing that's really great about this director, I heard a, a anecdote. Apparently people have come up to him and told him they've fallen asleep in his movie multiple times. And when he hears that his movies, various movies have put people to sleep. When people tell him that, how do you think he reacts? He gets excited. <laughs> no, I get it. He he'll actually go down on the floor and start sleeping too. You think that might be, that's a good answer. <laughs> uh, he actually does get excited and he wants to know what point in the movie they fell asleep. Cause he wants, he's curious to know when they fall asleep. So in that way, he's almost like Lynch, but taken to the nth degree. Like he almost, he wants his movie to actually like fade into somebody's literally into somebody's dreams. <laughs> so if they fall asleep while they're watching I mean, his movie, it's kind of interesting. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's, it, 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 if that's the point, then hey, yeah. I just uh, reviewed this movie. Didn't see the yeah. whole thing because I fell asleep halfway through, but it's what he would have wanted. <laughs> this is the kind of movie I could literally see this movie being an installation somewhere. And I, I think it would live in that way perfectly. Like I could see this being in some kind of a thing where it's like, you're in a dark room where the entire walls are this movie and the sound system just envelops the room and you just go there and lay on the ground and, and, and experience it for as long as you want to experience it and leave. That'd Real quick, cool. uh, it was Johan Johansson, Last and First Man. Yes. It was cool. That movie is cool. Okay. Yeah. So, once again, uh, yeah, not for everybody. I quite quite dug it. I, I would probably go four stars in this movie, but depending on my mood, it might go down to three stars or is, five. Is, is the reason why Peter Beta decided to give you, I guess, his Blu-ray or DVD copy and he didn't appreciate Memoria because he is a fellow film podcaster and a yeah. lover of cinema, is it because he's just a little bit crass and lacks nuance as a viewer is that why bruce what do you think i mean i don't know maybe it could be that i mean <laughs> eric could you ask pete if he's a crass uh cinephile and uh but i'm old a... and i like i like my naps, i'll, I'll, I'll so. get right on that I'll, I'll be sure i'll be sure to ask him before this thing airs so yeah uh, no make he's sure like what the hell would you ask me <laughs> because he'll no. he, he basically now just unfollowed me and uh will like I said. not be my friend anymore so uh bruce after watching this because i saw that uh a pitch uh a pitch at pongri rasik the cool is doing on imdb they have untitled project with Arthur C. Clarke, probably not with Arthur C. Clarke, but who did uh, 2001 Space Odyssey and Rendezvous yeah. with Rama. Like, what would uh, a pitch it pong sci-fi Arthur C. Clarke sci-fi movie kind of look like? Like, what, what do you got in your head for something like that? Is that something to be excited about, you think? Or Maybe. I mean, it could be because, like, if you think about the slowest parts of 2001, where it's just kind of you're just watching the space station slowly turn, you know, that kind of stuff with the music going. I could see him doing that. Although this is almost all, in, in, you know, indigenous, but whatever. Um just the sounds of the place around it, not the music. So no. uh, this is the kind of scene, <laughs> this is the kind of scene where this movie has like a scene where you just see Tilda Swinton walking down the street at night and then she passes a dog. And then as she's walking the long, long shot, you see the dog is kind of following her and she goes into a square and she looks back and the dog is still following her. And she slowly stops and creeps around a corner. And then she looks and the dog keeps going. It's that kind of oh, thing. Oh, forget I'm, it. I'm not. I'm totally not. I'm, I'm with a Peter so, Beta right so, here. I am not watching Memoria. The, the director what, is What you're tied. saying is it's exactly like the first third of Bad Luck Banging or Looney <laughs> Oh, no, no. I love Bad Luck Way. Oh, you guys are something else. I, here, let's people, walk down the street. It's 
kind just of. have the camera just kind of follow him walking <laughs> down the street. All right, they're watching the building. Let's just sit here and look at the building for about five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's unjustifiable. It's glacial. It's a glacial pace. But uh, for and whatever it, reason, it, just, it worked for me. Yeah, it worked for you. You, you were just in the whole vibe and the mood of it. There's something. The this is the kind of movie, if it, if it doesn't work for you, it's just dull as dirt. And if it works for you it's weirdly transcendent. Like it, everything seems symbolic and important. And I think it was more on that side for me than the other side. This kind of, this yeah. actually kind of reminds like me of Skinnamarink. Cause mm-hmm. like Skinnamarink said movie, I should have hated, but for some yeah. reason it, I, it's just shots of rooms with, you know, TV playing in the background. Yeah. But for some reason I was, I, I was in the right frame of mind. I was transfixed on it and I loved it. But then there's stuff like that. The first third of bad luck banging or loony porn where I'm like, F this movie and it's B. I hate it. I want it to end right now. Yeah. Like I would say, I'm not going to keep talking about it because there's not much to say, but uh, situational movies. There's certain movies that are situational, even for yourself, right? Like you feel like if you went into it in the wrong mindset, it would, you'd hate it forever. Like if I went into it thinking like, oh, this is going to be so cool and so action packed, I would probably have hated it. But I was such a low expectation that I ended up kind of loving it. Okay, Very cool. So that is it for this episode. Before we go, Eric, you have anything? What else is coming out this Friday that people should maybe check out? Uh, well, we got new uh, Goodbye Monster, which is actually now on digital and Blu-ray after disobeying orders by using an untested idea to defeat the dark spirit. A promising young doctor accidentally destroys his island and is brainwashed from Kunlun Hospital. Forbidden from ever practicing medicine again, but when a young boy comes to him for healing, he may have one more chance to redeem himself and restore his home. Oh, cool. We also have uh, King on Screen uh, uh, coming out on VOD. This is basically uh, 1970. I'll I'll just read this because you'll see why in the first uh, name I see. 1976, Brian De Palma directs Carrie. Very good. I like that. The first novel by Stephen King. Since then, more than 50 directors have adapted the Masters of Horror. It's basically uh, uh, Stephen King movies on screen and the adaptations. Uh, we got Riding in the Sun coming out in limited release. Uh, Sebastian Silva is depressed. When he's not sleeping, the filmmaker is taking absurd amounts of ketamine and searching the internet for painless suicide methods in an attempt to snap him out of it. His manager sends him on vacation. To a nude gay beach there, he almost dies trying to save social media influencer Jordan Firstman from drowning. And then uh, hilarity ensues, I imagine. Okay. Uh, we got Freedom's Path, also a limited release, follows a wounded Union soldier named Kitsch, who, when saved by a group of black soldiers, helps him run the Underground Railroad while he recovers from his injuries. Uh Actually, that one doesn't sound bad at all. Aristotle and Dante discovered the secrets of the universe in theaters. Two Mexican-American boys on the cusp of manhood form a life-changing bond after a chance meeting at an El Paso pool in the summer of 1987. Okay, then, we cool. also, then we also have poor things in theater. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, uh, described as an incredible tale of fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter. And then a bunch of stuff after that. We also have The Nun 2, which is a sequel to The Nun. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, which is a second sequel to My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, we also Elena, have, Elena Camporis, who I love. I love Elena Camporis. She's awesome. And also, who else does the star that you love, too? I don't know. I haven't seen the Come on. Big no, Fat no, Greek no, no. I'll give you a hint. He stars in The Flood. You, interview, you interviewed him. 
Oh, Joey Fatone from uh, no, the, the Flood, the Flood. Oh, Louis Mandalore or Louis yes. Mandalore? Yeah, stars. Okay, yeah. I all of a sudden put my big fat Greek wedding three. Was he in all of them or just all of this them. one? He's in all of them. Holy crap! I gotta watch those now. Son <laughs> of a... And then finally, there's Wolfpack is now on digital while seeking yes. answers about his father's suspicious death. A trained physician infiltrates a mercenary group and soon uncovers a dangerous international conspiracy that could threaten the lives of millions of civilians. Actually, out of all of these, yeah, the one I, I might want to see is Wolfpack. Yes, Erica. I believe I believe Wolfpack is uh, Wellgo USA. Wellgo I USA. Think, I, I yes. think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that's Wellgo. And if yes, that's, that's the case, then get excited because they they the, their movies aren't for everyone. But like, if you dig the the action movies, they're usually pretty fun. Yeah, and we have and, to also mention. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, and then I was going to say, uh, not to get to all of the following week, but I believe we're next week we're covering Canary, Elevator Game, and A Million Miles Away. Okay, great. Yeah, at least. Among we're, others, okay. possibly, possibly one I'm possibly. particularly excited about, but we'll see. But that, that'll be for next week. Yeah. You know, also for our merch, go to findyourfilmpodcast.com. Eric Holmes has created a lot of items. So check out our merch on findyourfilmpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And what else? Our uh, website is findyourfilms.com. Check us out on our Cinematics YouTube channel. Bruce, you want to say a couple uh, pro, uh, plugs or anything else? Uh, follow you on Letterboxd or I don't know. Uh, follow uh, follow the follow me. boom sound outside your uh, outside your domicile and maybe <laughs> Tilda Swinton will be there watching a man sleep on the floor. What what else? What else? <laughs> follow me slowly walking over to the boom sound. <laughs> no, oh I'm my fine. god! <laughs> I, I think Peter Beta is actually going to be. Yeah, he's going to have his own version of Memoria or Trauma to listening to Bruce Perky's highly positive <laughs> review of Memoria. He, I don't even know if he'll be able to do another episode of Middle Class Film Class. We'll, we'll see what happens. You might have actually throw, uh, traumatized Peter Beta for, for generations to come but just for that review. Bruce Perky, before we go, final thoughts, Eric Holmes. Uh, yeah, go to findyourfilmpodcast.com. It is banger season and we have uh, shirts and tank tops uh, to go along with it. And speaking of banger season, I think we covered a couple of them today. So uh, if you're wearing the commemorative banger season T-shirt, then uh, I guess that makes it better. I don't. <laughs> it enhances. It enhances the vibe. It enhances the vibe. Eric Holmes, again, as per usual, final thoughts from Bruce Perkin. I don't have the final thoughts. Final thoughts come from Claire. All right. Take it away, Claire. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.